Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. The Apostle Paul is standing before Governor Felix, and he's making his case. Remember, they brought their case to him, and they said, he's stirring up riots in the previous verses. Well, they stirred up riots. The angry Jewish people who were mad that these Jews were believing in Jesus as the Messiah, that's really their premise. That was really it. The rest were lies. The truth of the matter was, they were mad because Jewish believers had said Jesus was God in the flesh, and he showed up, and we believe. Let me tell you something before I forget tonight. One of Jesus' greatest, I'd say short-term, medium-term, and long-term, one of, one of Jesus' greatest prophecies was this whole place you see, this temple and everything, is going to be wiped out. And folks knew, the believers knew, if they lived to see that day, they knew it would be one of Jesus' greatest prophecies. And guess what? About 40 years after Jesus died and rose again, the temple was torn down. That was 2,000 years ago, and it has not been rebuilt. Another proof that he was God in the flesh, and he knew what was coming. Remember, they said, oh, look at these beautiful stones. He goes, oh, yeah, they're beautiful. Jesus always had a teaching moment. Did you ever notice that? Jesus never wasted words, ever. They said, oh, look at these stones, look how beautiful. He goes, oh, yeah, look at the stones. There's not going to be one left on another. These are all going to be torn down. I've been to Jerusalem, and all that they've got left, if it's even that, some disagree, is the western wall of the temple area. I've been there, I've prayed there. I wasn't praying to the wall, I was praying to God, <laughs> right? But I'm going to tell you right now that Jesus' words are true. And it was really, they were mad because of all the things Jesus said. One of my points on Sunday is, here's a sneak peek, is sometimes the truth is offensive to people. So, hey, this isn't right. What? They'll turn it around on you, get mad at you because you told them that. I say, no, but that's the truth, okay? So here's the Apostle Paul defending himself. He's a very learned man. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. Powerful man of God. Um, just about all Christian evangelical denominations can agree that Paul was power, a powerful man of God, one of the uh, foundational apostles and the original apostles of, uh, of the modern movement, movement, the New Testament church. So here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, my accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple. Truth. Nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of the city. Well, of course not. They were stirring up the riots. He wasn't. These men cannot prove the things they accuse me of doing. But I admit, more truth, someone say truth. Uh-huh, more truth. He says, but I admit that I follow the way. The way is, remember Jesus said, the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The early church called themselves the way to heaven, which is, that's what we believe. We are evangelical believers, and we, we follow the way. I mean, we, many of you just say, I'm a Christian, or I'm a believer, or I follow Jesus, or I'm, steady, I'm a disciple of Christ. Praise God. That's what Paul was. He says, I admit that I follow the way, which was belief in Jesus as the only way to heaven, which they call a cult. Do you know what a cult is? A cult, by its own definition, is something that is broken off from the truth. Um, let me give you an example of a modern-day cult. Does anyone remember David Koresh in Waco? 
really weird stuff. I'm not going to get into all that. But uh, they had some weird sexual beliefs. Mm, they had some very strange beliefs um, about uh, Christianity. They twisted scripture, and he was their leader. That is a cult. When you leave the truth of the word and you break off, and you are also called a sect, S-E-C-T, not all, not all sects, S-E-C-T-S, or sections of uh, Christianity are bad, obviously, but some sects, S-E-C-T-S, turn into cults. And cults usually have one main leader. One main leader. I'm not going to get into all that tonight. But they deny and twist Scripture. Uh, many cults do not believe. They, they say, oh, we're Christian, but they'll say something crazy. I remember back in the day there was one that was coming about. And this was, ah, uh, must have been in the 70s. And these folks were preaching it. They were denominational preachers. And they said Jesus was not perfect. What? Man, my grandpa Treadwell got so mad. He, he got so mad he was a preacher and he was preaching he almost cussed. <laughs> he didn't, but he said some crazy stuff, man. They got mad at him. He was so mad. He was so mad at them. He said, what? You're saying Jesus is not perfect? He was about ready to fight. No, Jesus was flawless. Scripture says he knew no sin. He never practiced sin, so he was perfect. See, that, see, that gets into cultish beliefs. There's different um, criteria for things being a cult, but they believed that this was a cult. They believed they did not believe Jesus was the Son of God, many of the Jewish leaders, and so they called it a cult. The Apostle Paul goes on. He says, I worship the God of our ancestors, right? He's like, however, I worship the true God. And I firmly believe, look at this, but this isn't enough. He says, I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. Remember, they said he's teaching people not to follow the law. He said, I believe in it. I believe in it. So see, he's proving that they're lying. Their big problem with him was not that. It was what? It was that he believed in Jesus as the only way to God and he, that he was the Son of God. Look at this. He says, I have the same hope in God that these men have. Oh, whoops. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. We had help. It sounded kind of like Siri, but a little more robotic. Don't even worry about it. It's the Bible app. I know. I know. Don't worry about it. He says, I have the same hope in God that these men have. Now look, Paul was an excellent debater. Are you noticing? He's saying, here's the truth of the matter. He laid out his case. He says, they haven't found me arguing or starting riots. Uh-uh. I believe in the way, which is Jesus. They call it a cult. But then he goes on to say, look at what we have in common. I have the same hope in God that these men have, <clears throat> that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Scripture says it is appointed unto men and women once to die. And after this, what? The judgment. So did you know that disproves reincarnation? You know what reincarnation is? People say, I got to act right or I'm going to come back as a cockroach. You know. I got to act right or I'm going to come back as a monkey or a dog. Or I, man, if, if I really act right, I'm going to come back as a king or a queen. Well, in Jesus, you're already kings and queens and priests of God Most High. So, but we know this, that Scripture says, once you die, after that is the judgment. You go to heaven or hell and you are judged. People use that word a lot. Oh, don't, he was judgy. I understand what you mean, but... Judgment is a right decision according to the truth and the facts. Scripture says the foundation of his throne are what? Righteousness and justice. That's what Psalm says. 
So there will always be judgment with God, a decision regarding the truth. Because of this, the Apostle Paul says, he says, I have the same hope as them. Um, we believe that God, that God one day is going to raise up the righteous and the unrighteous, right, for judgment. Everyone's going to live forever, either in heaven or hell. He says, because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. A clear conscience means I'm not walking around in condemnation. Condemnation is guilt. Condemnation, oh, that's terrible. True condemnation is like remorse. The problem with ungodly remorse or just remorse is you feel bad for it, but you're not repenting or changing. You ever had that before? We've all had seasons where we were struggling with something and we just felt guilty. And that comes from a lie of the enemy. Why? Especially as believers. You've got to confess your sin, walk away from it, and move on. Every day is a clean slate with God. Can you imagine? He takes away the sin of the world if you believe that. That's Scripture. So he says, after several years away, right? He keeps a clear conscience. But after several years away, I returned to Jerusalem with money to aid my people and to offer sacrifices to God. He brought offerings from the Gentiles. He's going to offer sacrifices to God. My accusers, right, saw me in the temple as I was completing a purification ceremony, a very Jewish Old Testament ceremony. There was no crowd around me and no rioting, right? But, look, but some Jews from the province of Asia were there, and they ought to be here to bring charges if they have anything against me. The ones who started the riot weren't even there, it looks like. Isn't that, isn't that how it is? They left the scene, man, cowards. What did y'all used to say back in the day? Hey, you got a problem? Say it to my face. Right? Some of y'all said that. That's why you laugh, huh? Hey, you got some? Say it to my face, man. Here I am. Say it to my face. Okay. Ask these men here what crime the Jewish high council found me guilty of, except for the one time I shouted out, I am on trial before you today because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. Oh, man, Paul could present a case. At that point, Felix, who was quite familiar with the way, he knew about Christianity. He knew about believers in Jesus. He adjourned the hearing and said, wait until Lysias, the garrison commander, arrives. Then I will decide the case. All right. Here's the deal. Let me give somebody some advice tonight. This is a freebie. This will not cost you anything. Don't be quick to go to court with someone. Because court can be a big mess, okay? Try to, try to decide things out of court if you can. Use all of your legal avenues, all of your legal rights, but, and you can do that. People can sue each other. But just, just a freebie tonight. Do your best to resolve things out of court. For one, for one thing, court takes forever, man. You ever been in a case? One year, two years, three years. No, we can't. we got to postpone it due to covid Due to COVID, my gosh, I mean, due to the government's handling of COVID. i got to say that every chance I get. Scripture says, work it out. It does. It, say, it says, agree with your adversary quickly. Now, it doesn't mean you always just jump up and agree right away, but it means at some point, agree, find a way to agree with people. I was talking to the Bible study last night, and Scripture says, pursue peace with everyone. If at all possible, pursue peace, Right? Pursue peace with people. Say, man, we don't want to be on a different page here and arguing and fighting. Even if we don't like each other, we don't want to be around each other, let's figure out a way to pursue peace. All right? So I brought that all up because these Jewish folks, 
The high council of Israel, they're bringing charges against Paul, and it's just a big mess. And God's using it, and it was written about in Scripture for our benefit and for the benefit of everybody else who would believe or call upon the name of Jesus. But it's, legal cases can be a mess. So he ordered an officer to keep Paul in custody, but to give him some freedom and allow his friends to visit him and take care of his needs. That's great. A few days later, let me just say this again, though. Sometimes... A case, though, is the only way to resolve something. Okay? Not all the time, but sometimes it is. got to go to court about stuff. I understand that. But you got to be balanced and wise. A few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla. Wow, what a name. A mixture of Drew and Priscilla, maybe. Drusilla. I've never heard that name around here, but we need to bring that back. We're bringing Drusilla back, right? Who was Jewish? Felix's wife was Jewish. Wow. So sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. He told them about faith in Christ Jesus. Do you remember when Paul got saved and the brother came and laid a, the the prophet came and laid his hands on him? The Lord told that prophet, he said, I'm going to, he's going to testify before kings and the Gentiles. Here he goes. He's going to governors already. And every chance Paul got, he said, let me tell you about Jesus, right? Powerful. So as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control, man, nobody did it like Paul, remember? Paul knew his stuff so well, he talked so long that a kid died at his service. You remember that? He fell asleep and fell out the window and died and had to raise him from the dead. <laughs> wow, nobody die on me, please, in Jesus' name. As it, y'all don't even know whether to laugh at that or not. <laughs> That's crazy, okay. As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment... Felix became frightened. Isn't that interesting? The governor goes, okay, man, that's about enough. Go away for now. (laughs) He replied, when it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. He's like, oh, it's getting hot in here. Get him out. He also hoped, look at this, he also hoped that Paul would bribe him. I don't know if he thought Paul had a bunch of money, so he sent for him quite often and talked with him. Isn't that weird? Maybe you can pay me off so you can go free. That's strange. Next verse. After two years went by in this, did you remember what I said earlier about court cases? Now, he's been two years at this one place. After two years went by, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. So now there's a new governor. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul where? In prison. Wow. Let's go on to the next verse there. Three days after Festus arrived in Caesarea to take over his new responsibilities, Caesarea is a beautiful place on the ocean there, he left for Jerusalem. Keep going. Oh, where the leading priests and other Jewish leaders met with him and made their accusations against Paul. So the new, the new governor said, oh, this is an ongoing case. I need to deal with this. Uh, Felix, the governor Felix, before me left this. So this guy, uh, what was his name again? Porcius, Porcius Festus. He went to Jerusalem to discuss with the leading priests. He said he met with them, and they were making accusations against Paul. This is two years later. Paul's been in jail two years now. And then here's the next verse. Check this out. They asked Festus as a favor to transfer Paul to Jerusalem. Boy, they never quit with their old tricks. Do you remember those 40 men who, who they, they put a curse on themselves and said, we're not going to eat or drink until we kill Paul? So I guess if they kept their word, all those guys died because it's two years later. 
because they didn't get to kill him. But do you remember that? They were, and they were trying to kill him. So now they're, they're back at it. They asked Festus as a favor to transfer Paul to Jerusalem, planning to ambush and kill him on the way. They're still up to their old tricks. But Festus replied that Paul was at Caesarea, and he himself would be returning there soon. Good answer. God was guiding a lot of this stuff. So he said, those of you in authority can return with me. If Paul has done nothing wrong, you can make, or if Paul has done anything wrong, you can make your accusations. <laughs> About eight or ten days later, Festus returned to Caesarea, and on the following day he took his seat in court and ordered that Paul be brought in. Hmm. When Paul arrived, the Jewish leaders from Jerusalem gathered around and made many serious accusations they couldn't prove. Sounds familiar, right? Remember they did that with Jesus? Scripture says they couldn't get their testimonies to agree. But it was prophesied as when Paul first became saved that he would, the Lord told that prophet that was going to go lay hands on, on, uh, on Paul to receive his sight again, remember, in, in Damascus? He said, I'm going to show him how he's going to suffer for my name. So Paul denied the charges. I'm not guilty of any crime against the Jewish laws or the temple or the Roman government, he said. Then Festus, wanting to please the Jews. Why do these guys want to please the Jews? So interesting. Asked him, are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there? Paul replied, no. This is the official Roman court. So I ought to be tried right here. He knew the law. He was a citizen of Rome. Did you know Paul was a Roman citizen? Remember that? I had to be tried right here. You know very well I am not guilty of harming the Jews. Boy, he was bold. If I have done something worthy of death, I don't refuse to die. But if I am innocent, no one has a right to turn me over to these men to kill me. Let's hesitate right there. Did you know that purity and being right with God will make you bold? You will speak the truth and not worry about what anyone thinks. Not going to worry about it. Say, uh-uh, this is, that's wrong and this is right. I'm not going to fight with you about it. If I've done something worthy of death, I don't refuse to die. When you're walking with God, you say, no, I, I did wrong. Then God will deal with me or I'll submit to the law. If I broke the law and I made a mistake, I'll pay the fine, whatever. Or, man, he's saying here, this is serious. If I did something worthy of death, I'll, I'll, die, for, I'll die for it. I don't refuse that. But if I'm innocent, no one has a right to turn me over to these men to kill me. Paul wasn't dumb. He knew they were just planning on killing him in Jerusalem. Or on the way. Then he says, I appeal to Caesar. It was crazy back then. You could, you could actually appeal your case to Caesar. It's probably the equivalent of appealing your case to the Supreme Court. Except you could appeal all the way up to the emperor. Imagine how many cases he heard. Right? And the sorry thing about Roman emperors were you never knew what you were going to get with them. Genius or moron. You know, study the Roman emperors. Study like Caligula. He was an absolute moron. He took a bunch of, of uh, there's a lot of uh, existing Roman records and stuff. He took his, his army out once to the, to the edge of the sea and had them picking up shells. They were conquering the sea, he said. He's an absolute moron. But then some emperors were genius. So you just didn't know what you were, were going to get, right? I heard someone say that about someone one time. <laughs> Made me laugh. Okay, it was my dad. Dad goes, hey, no, he's a, he said, he's a genius. He said, but some days he's a moron. He said, you just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> so, wow. So Festus conferred with his advisor. He said that like 20 years ago. It made me laugh to this day. Festus conferred with his advisors and then replied, very well. You have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you will go. You're a Roman citizen. A few days later, King Agrippa 
arrived with his sister Bernice to pay their respects to Festus. During their stay of several days, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. Hmm. So he's, what was the king's name again? Don't go back. The king's name, Agrippa. Just think, man, he had Agrippa money. I remember a friend of mine used to tell his son that because he was all, Dad, I got a grip of this. I got a grip. Man, we had a whole grip of video games. We had a grip. He's like, all right, King Agrippa. Old friend of mine used to tell his son that. So during their stay of several days, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king, Agrippa. There is a prisoner here, he told him, whose case was left for me by Felix. I've inherited it. When I was in Jerusalem, the leading priests and Jewish elders pressed charges against him and asked me to condemn him. I pointed out to them that Roman law does not convict people without a trial. Can you imagine? No, just, let's just have him wiped out. You know, no trial. Let's just, he's guilty. No. Roman law, right? Some parts of our law are based on Roman law. They did some things right, not everything. But you don't convict people without a trial, right? They must be given an opportunity to confront their accusers and defend themselves, right? Remember that? Say it to my face. Okay. When his accusers came here for the trial, I did not delay. Oh, wow, he's, he's, he's already building his resume, right? Man, I was on it. I called the case the very next day and ordered Paul brought in. But the accusations made against him weren't any of the crimes I expected. Of course not. You just got a bunch of jealous, angry people mad at him over Jesus and that he's winning converts. Remember, they were jealous. Remember Pontius Pilate, when he saw them condemning Jesus to die and trying to have him crucified? He said they did it out of jealousy. These guys felt like they were losing power if folks started surrendering their lives to Jesus. They were no longer under the power of the law, which the Pharisees wielded. Instead, it was something about their religion and a dead man named Jesus, who Paul insists is alive. Isn't that interesting? He said, I was at a loss to know how to investigate these things, so I asked him whether he would be willing to stand trial on these charges in Jerusalem. But Paul appealed to have his case decided by the emperor. And we'll stop with this verse tonight. We need a stopping point. So I ordered that he be held in custody until I could arrange to send him to Caesar. Wow. Any questions tonight about anything we shared? I'm reminded of something tonight as we study Paul's life. Remember, Scripture says, Many are the afflictions or troubles of the righteous. You've been through some stuff, right? Even after you accepted Jesus? You have, huh? You're like, man, I've been through some stuff. I can tell, I can tell some stories. Man, everybody's got a powerful story if they'll share it. Scripture says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. God always has your best interests in mind. I've been going through something, and it's amazing. I just Every time I start thinking I'm patient, God goes, oh, here's another tribulation. Let's see how patient you are. Get more patient. Like, Lord, why me, right? God's working in me. He's dealing with me, man. I'm, I pray those dangerous prayers. Lord, work on me. Help me. Improve me. Continue to transform me. So Paul's going through some stuff, some afflictions. You've been through some. It's crazy. It's actually a trial. But you've been through some trials, haven't you? Let's bow our heads and pray tonight. And we'll begin to close out for the next service so they can come in. Father, we praise you for your goodness. We thank you for what the Apostle Paul called the way. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Is there anyone at the sound of my voice tonight who says, Pastor, I've never accepted Jesus or made him the Lord of my life? If that's you tonight, I'm going to pray with you. I'm pretty sure everyone in here has done that already. 
All right. But pray with me anyway for those on the live stream or those listening to this message hereafter on SoundCloud or wherever. Pray with me. If you would, pray out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, say, I call upon the name of Jesus. Say this. Say, He is the only name in all of the universe that can save us. Say, He's the only way. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've sinned. I've fallen short of your glory. But please forgive me and cleanse me. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Say this. Say, now save me. Say, make me right with you. Because I believe that Jesus died and rose again to save me. Say, he's my Lord and Savior. Say this, I believe in Jesus' name. And say this, say, Jesus, come into my heart in Jesus' name. Now let me speak a blessing over you and for those at home, whoever listens to this. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you because your words are life and truth. I thank you that you always have our best interests in mind, like I said earlier. Romans 8.28 has been so heavy on my heart this last year, especially this last six months, Lord. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Once we've accepted Jesus, Lord God, all things work together for good if we're doing our best to stay in obedience to You and put You first. We're flawed, we make mistakes and all this, but God, all things work together for good to those that are those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We love you, Lord God, so everything's going to work for our benefit. I said it to my wife today, Lord God, you have the control. We've surrendered control to you. Take charge. Have your way. You do it your way, not my way. May your will be done, not our will. And may our will be aligned with your will, Father God, because your will is good, acceptable, and perfect. I thank you tonight for your word, your promises, and for time in your presence as a church family. We give you glory. In Jesus' name.